Why does he hate films, Gemma? I don't know. He's a weirdo, isn't he? <laughs> <He's> like... <laughs> okay, that's the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to uh, defend myself, but I totally agree. <laughs> This week on Walking the Dog, I popped over to the beautiful Flincher countryside on the Welsh-English border to meet Liverpool legend, England hero and, let's face it, football god, Michael Owen and his super-talented daughter, Gemma Owen, a highly respected international dressage rider and now fashion entrepreneur with her very own swimwear range called OG Beachwear. The Owens have three ridiculously cute dogs, Kaiser the Staffy, Zola the Italian Greyhound. Yes, Michael Owen has a dog named after the footballer Gianfranco Zola. I know, it's genius. And Belle the Frenchie. Michael and Gemma took me for a stroll around their grounds and we had the loveliest chat. Michael told me about his single-minded obsession with football from a very young age and he had some fascinating insights into the mindset he developed to play at that level which is something I also chatted to Gemma about as is a focus she clearly shares with her equestrian career. They also told me about the competitive streak in the Owen family, why Michael hates films and is quite hardcore on pocket money rules. And it was also interesting to chat to them about the work ethic that Michael and his wife Louise have clearly instilled in their kids and how Gemma was always encouraged to be independent and, and make her own mark on the world. I've got to say, I kind of fell a bit head over heels in love with the Owens. They just seemed like such genuine, totally unspoilt people. And there was such a friendly, warm energy in that house. In fact, I think I'm going to have to move in. So get the spare room sorted, Mrs O. And by the way, Raymond likes pink velvet cushions on his dog bed. I really hope you enjoy my chat with Michael and Gemma. Do check out Gemma's gorgeous swimwear range, by the way. I'm all over it this summer at ogbeachwear.com. And if you're interested in finding out more about the work Michael does, training racehorses at his hugely successful stables, have a look at manorhousestables.com. I'm going to shut up now and hand over to the dynamic duo themselves. Here's Michael and Gemma and Kaiser and Zola and Belle. She'll okay. keep up for the first ten, ten <laughs> strides, and then that'll be it. Belle, are you going to come with us? Michael, is Belle coming? She'll try. Mallorca, good. Mallorca, good. Was it? Yeah, superb. Brilliant. Six hundred miles. Yeah. Seven days. Yeah. Well, six hundred miles. The amount of lawns you made. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish I could get him doing that much. <laughs> He's just come back from Mallorca. Cycling. So he drags me out at bloody five o'clock every morning. <laughs> well, not every morning, but he's just a bit too good for me. So he went out with all the pros to uh, Mallorca cycling the other day. How m- 100 miles in what? Five days? 100, 100 miles a day. 100 miles a day? Yeah. Wow. Not a drop of alcohol either. No, that's why you're looking so slim. <laughs> I need to take out a leaf out of your book. See you. Oh, Come look, on. spring on a step. <laughs> We go, what do you want to do, Jam? Front field and round and just do the perimeter? Yeah, yeah. So beautiful here, Michael. I can see why this is beautiful. I bought it after, um, do you remember when England beat Germany 5-1 in Munich? It was quite a yes. quite a famous uh, football moment. Um, I literally bought it the next day. Oh, it is a little bit wetter than I thought. Did you? What did you just think? You know what? No, well, I was looking at it. I just remember it because I was so excited about the goal, and then I thought, and then I came home and thought, oh my god, <laughs> got a new house as well. <laughs> what a beautiful place to grow up in. It is. It is lovely with the horses and everything as well. I mean, I might have to move in. <laughs> Come on, dogs. Yeah. So we've got the three dogs. The three dogs. Bell's keeping up so far. It will lose her in a minute. I mean, I should introduce you guys first. We're in. Should we say Flintshire? Yeah. We're near Chester. Yeah, just over the Welsh border. And I'm with England legend, Liverpool legend, one of our greatest living footballers. <laughs> Not my words, the words of Pele, I believe. <laughs> Mr Michael Owen. I'm also with his immensely talented daughter, dressage rider. International, International dressage yeah. rider. Fashion entrepreneur, businesswoman, and to make you really sick, the woman's how old? 18, 19 next month. (laughs) (laughs) Makes us all sick. (laughs) The very wonderful Gemma Owen. I'm with Michael Owen and Gemma Owen. I'm so thrilled to be here. 
Now, will you introduce me first to your three dogs, guys? So we have Kaiser, the staffy, <laughs> who is, like, as you can tell, very, <laughs> very bold, very energetic. <laughs> he's a great character. He's got so much personality. Zola, he's actually the first Italian greyhound that we've had. He's quite shy, but you know, very intelligent. Um, Can I just say, I love that the Owen family have an Italian greyhound called Zola. I don't. <laughs> this is against my wishes. I said all along we've had staffies and, well, basically we've had staffies and a couple of French bulldogs all our, all our lives, but um, I just wanted to go down the staffie route because they're just the best dogs. And I was bullied and bullied and bullied, mainly by her. Yeah. And then she managed to get into the other kids. And anyway, eventually I was outvoted like most things in our house. So we've ended up with a Italian greyhound. He's all right. He's great. No, he's, he's great. Right. <laughs> he is great. Who came up with the name Zola, Gemma? I think that was, was that? mum, was mom, it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were thinking of Italian names yeah. and she used to love Gianfranco Zola, the old player. Yeah, it's a really good name and Kaiser as well. We, we were, couldn't decide a name for Kaiser for ages. We, we were thinking Chunk, you know, something, yeah. nothing really stuck. But then, uh, Dad, it was your name, uh, Kaiser, it was your idea and we were like... It was in its pedigree, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I went to pick him up and in his, in his papers it said something, something Kaiser and my best mate, um, Diddy Haman, who I used to play for Liverpool with for years, we used to call him Kaiser. And then I saw it in the, in the uh, pedigree as well, so I phoned everyone up and said, we've got to call it this, and everyone was agreeing straight away. So, Kaiser it is. Zola is a lovely tribute. Do you think, I don't know, Viali has a, maybe a Welsh corgi called Owen? <laughs> that would I make, doubt it. That would make me so happy. <laughs> And introduce me to dog number three, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. old Belle. How Not old is she now? She's... Eight. Yeah, she's an old girl, bless her. Yeah, she lost her sort of best friend, Ronnie, uh, last year in October time, so we got our two new puppies to keep her entertained. <laughs> to keep her young. <laughs> and yeah. she's a Frenchie? Yeah, right? she's a Frenchie, yeah. They're so yeah. beautiful, your dogs, and they're all the most stunning sort of... What would you call it, Gemma? Is it like a sort of silvery grey? Yeah, silver, yeah. I think the official think the, colour is blue, it's blue isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You used to only see like Vimaranas and things like that in that colour, don't you? But now you see yes. it quite a lot. I mean, I was never, I never went for the colour back, you know, years ago. Like, we've had red staffy, two red staffies, a white staffy. Of course you had um, red. Yeah. <laughs> avoided the blues. I've always <laughs> avoided this colour, but anyway. I don't want to make you sad, but. I'm really sorry you lost your. Was it Ronnie that yeah. you had? Yeah, it was. It was heartbreaking. He was, he was my, you know, best mate. You know, I absolutely loved him. He followed me around everywhere. He was like my dog, in my opinion. Um, yeah, no, he was, he was the best ever. But yeah, no, it was, it was real, really heart, heartbreaking for all of us. We were on holiday at the time. It, yeah. it was awful. I mean, it. I'm always one of those that looks at the positive sides and um, but I had flown back I had to commentate on a game so I'd flown back from Dubai and uh, and I was on air and I had a beep in my in my phone Doesn't I keep it? my phone under my leg when I'm on air and I just felt my phone vibrating and then as soon as we got to an ad break I looked at it and it was my mum saying call me straight away and you know when you get that one it's, it's just, just like heart sinks, so I was in it? London and then I had to do another two hours of the show knowing that my dog was literally being put down as it as it happened it was uh and then phoning the kids up in, out in Dubai it was probably the best thing in terms of you know being in Dubai because it took our mind off it a little bit I mean don't yeah. get me wrong it was the worst holiday we've ever had but it was still you know if you're here and you're feeling not being here and yeah. things like that it would have been even worse I think but Anyway, you think life just stops there, don't you? But you move on and you still still get a bit emotional when you talk about him, but... They're incredible things, dogs, aren't they? Because I always think they make you want to be a better person. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Unconditional love, isn't it? They don't want anything bar you and your time and... Your food. You can have the, and food. <laughs> you have the worst day in the world, you come back and they still love you, whereas people aren't so generous sometimes. Come on, Belle. Yeah, Come see, on, Belle. She's, 
Do you know She'll what? find a way she, to the back door. Yeah. Do you know what, guys? Belle reminds me of me on the school sports day. <laughs> and what I love about the Irwins is that both Gemma and Michael are both phenomenal sports people, and yet they tolerate the likes of me and Belle, <laughs> who bring up the rear. You were walking quite quick when we first walked up. I'm the slowest walker in the world. <laughs> is it? <laughs> but you yeah, were. You were, you were striding on. <laughs> so... We're here to talk about all sorts of things. Dogs, the Owens. Oh, look at this little bridge. This yeah. little bridge, which I'm already obsessed by. <laughs> You've got a little stream, Owens. Yeah. Are you both um, quite competitive? I would say, I, Dad's, Dad's more competitive. <laughs> he is like unbelievably competitive in point. anything, not just sport, just in life. He's like, everything's a competition. <laughs> everything's a, like, yeah. Um, I'm not so bad. I definitely am still competitive, but... What about sort of family Monopoly or... Do you know what? I've never actually played Monopoly. No. Never. It takes too long, doesn't it, yeah. to win? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a competitive house. So, did you have, Michael, in your family growing up with Terry Two Jags? <laughs> Brilliant. Did you have dogs growing up? Only when I was about... 14, I think we got our first one. I was like any or most families, we badger our parents for dogs and all the time they always say no. And then eventually they gave in. And at 14, I bought a red Staffy and a, and a love affair with Staffordshire Terriers and dogs sort of ensued really. And then I've, I've never spent a day without owning a dog since. How many brothers and sisters have you got? I've got two of each. I'm number four in the pecking order. Um, it was always a nice happy family always fiercely loyal and um you know competitive and it was a lively household um but even to this day i mean we all get on really really well it's a it's a close-knit family and it's probably what i've tried to create or not tried to create it just comes naturally i suppose but i'd say that that our family now are, are very very similar and you one of the loveliest stories, you know when you see 10 facts about Michael Owen, I'll ask you about some of those. Okay. Um, there's always, and I appreciate some of them are just utter rubbish people have made up. But one of the loveliest ones, which I think is true, is that you bought essentially a cul-de-sac for your family. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, listen, I'm sure lots of people would do it and I was fortunate that I could, was in a position to do it. But yeah, when I was... 19 or 20 it was uh i wouldn't i'd say you're on your own <laughs> yeah i'm waiting for Gemma actually yeah. to be really successful and see what type she will be <laughs> i hope i've given her a good example but i'm not sure i have um no it was one of those things that you know our house was a lovely house growing up but when you can afford it isn't it nice to be able to buy your mum and dad a, an even nicer house so i i bought a, a house on a new development and what happened it was the show house so then next door was getting built and that was another show house for all the other houses on the on the estate so i thought at the time my brother was desperate to move out he was 25 or something so i thought oh i'll buy that you know i'll, I'll buy next door and let my brother live in there and then once it dawned on me i thought hang on a minute i can't buy a house for mm. my brother and not my other brothers and sisters and the whole street had six houses that were going to be built so i bought five of them and uh, and put my mum and dad and, and of course my brothers and sisters in, in each of them. When you were growing up Michael obviously so you didn't have money and it was very much a sort of bailiffs at the door type situation sometimes wasn't it? Did that give you a slight determination and drive that you felt right I'm I'm sort of a way out I can make a better life for my family did you have a sense of that? Yeah I knew it I knew it I knew by the time I was 14 or 15 that you know, the hope was that I could do something and, and um, yeah, and make life better for everyone. I never had it as a pressure, never ever. Didn't you? No. And even when I was, you know, 17, 18, I was still giving all my money to my family, to my mum and dad. I, I really didn't need anything. I was sponsored by Umbro at the time. They were giving me tracksuits. I lived in tracksuits, so I didn't need to buy clothes, didn't need to buy cars, <laughs> didn't need to buy a house. I was sponsored by Jaguar at the time, so I didn't need to buy a car. I didn't need to buy anything. What do I, what, you know, and, and at the time, it was just, well, my mum and dad need it more than me. And I basically got sponsorship money, everything, and a, and a lot of it right at the outset went to 
paying off the mortgage and then buying my mum and dad and then buying houses for my brothers and sisters and I basically was the last was my last thought you know and as soon as I became 19 20 21 of course you realize what money can do and what you can mm. buy and certain things so of course you know you develop and you change but when I was younger I had no intention of you know money was never ever ever a driver I wanted to be the best footballer in the world end of story what followed was what followed but I never ever wavered from that mindset of wanting to be the best so the money was never really something that motivated you no it does now yeah I wouldn't go to work if I didn't get paid. Do you know what I mean? It's like now you think, geez, I've got four kids. I want them to have a nice life. I want, you know, I've got parents, I've got brothers, I've, I've got my state, I've got business. I, you know, of course, now you do things a lot for pleasure. But now I realise them. But when I was 18, 19, I was that zoned in to being the best footballer I could be. Then all the outside stuff, whatever that might be, whatever people perceive as being on the periphery of being a professional footballer, it really was on the periphery for me. And Gemma, with you, I'm interested because your dad's done all right for, for himself and you grew up in, in sort of relative privilege compared to your dad, but I'm yeah. so fascinated that you obviously still, because, you know, being an equestrian and there's a lot of early mornings and it requires a lot of discipline and graft. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting you've got that work ethic, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, no, I think from a real young age, you know, dressage has been, horses has been my passion. Um, you know, I started riding when I was like two, three years old, so it really has been all my life. Um, and yeah, no, it's, I've never had a lie-in, you know, on weekends, even if I go out for a night out, the you know, day before, I'm always out, sorting the horses out in the mornings. Um, it's just what you have to do, isn't it? When you're, when you're at the sort of, a, top level of, of your sport it's just and I've always wanted to you know achieve for myself you know yeah. I've always wanted to you know stand on my own two feet be independent you know do my own thing and so that's always been you know really important um, for me and that's sort of what's motivated me and with the business side of things as well you know as I got to my last few years of school and I sort of thought, do I want to take dress? Do I want to make dressage my career, or is it just a you know serious hobby that I'm just gonna you know? So that's when the sort of um, beachwear idea you know, started. And and you because you've been doing dressage since you were pretty young, yeah. as you said. Yeah, yeah. So I started um, I started doing dressage properly um, when I was eight, and then when I was eleven, um, that's when I was selected for. Um, the Great British under 16 sort of squad. Um, so since I've been 11, I've been competing, you know, all over Europe, internationals. I did my first European Championships last year, which was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, that's. So you were 17. Yeah, yeah. So I'm seeing a few patterns here because <laughs> I remember someone else who was 17 and competing internationally. <laughs> but yeah. Isn't that interesting that there's you're both. That's a precocious age, in a way, to be yeah. excelling and competing at that level. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, Gemma's progressed right throughout the, the, the ages. Of course, the biggest and the hardest step is the last one. You know, you mm. go into open company, open age, um, and then it's, it's, you know, mixing it with, with, with the big people, I guess. But so far, Gemma's been amazing. Her dedication has been, you know, really admirable because you know, she says we've never had a lie-in. They're just not acceptable in our house. You're up at seven. No, one, right? no one's lying yeah. in. Oh, I can't stand yeah. people that lie in. Just get out of bed. Get, you know, there's the day ahead of you. So did Owens all rise early? Yeah. Yeah. We do, yeah. We do. But just going back to it, I mean, Gemma was always, you know, it can, you, we all know what the weather's like in this country. Hail, snow, rain, no matter what, she would always be in that dressage ring, practicing, training. And it was never from me. It was never sort of, go on, you've got to do it. Mm. It was. It has to be from within. You cannot force any person to do something against their will. You just won't do it well. And it has to be something that they want to do, that they feel that the benefits of doing it. If you want to get to the top, it, it's not a choice. It, it's absolutely. It's got to come from deep within. You, 
you know, football, I wanted to go to sleep holding a ball. I loved that football. It was my pride. I'd clean it. I'd, you know, I would, it would be on my mantelpiece. I just <laughs> idolised a football. And Gemma's like that with, her has been like that and is like that with, with riding. She's never missed a beat. If she has a day off, it's not because she wants a day off. It's because the mm. horse needs a day off or, or whatever. So dedication comes from within and she's always had that. And of course, you reap the benefits of that. You know, when you, uh, when you turn up and you go in to step, set foot in that ring, or in my case, you step over a white line, you've got no worries at all. You know that you've put the hours in, you know that you've been dedicated, you know that you practice, you know that you could do what you're about to be doing with your eyes closed. You're that good at it. And that's, that's elite sport, and that's what she's always had the right attitude to compete at elite sport. I reckon you've got a steely determination. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's you know, if riding and dressage, if it's taught me anything, you know, it is that dedication, commitment, that yeah. work ethic that you can, you know, that I can now transfer to my business and, and start in that. Um, because it's the same, you can't have any days off when you, when you have your own business. You, you know, if you want it to be successful, you have to, you know, put the work in. Um, and we should say that's something because you recently decided to move into this area, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so it was over lockdown, really, when I had, you know, stopped my education, riding, took a bit of a break because obviously there was not many competitions going on. I had the time to properly, you know, think about it and make something, you know, of the idea. Um, so it's only launched, you know, a few months ago. So it is still really, really early days. But just the whole experience so far is just honestly, it's so, so exciting. And it's, it's called OG, OG Beachwear. Yeah. Original Gangster. Yeah, and my initials backwards as well. Yeah. I love OG. Yeah. Well, I want to talk more about your business, and I'm going to be buying all of your. It's amazing. Thank you. It's beautiful. Thank I've you. seen it. And um, I've already picked out some things. I love you. Um, but I want to also let's get let's bring us up to speed. Let's get us here to this beautiful place and how it all happened. Oh my God. Zola, don't be eating that. Oh. Dead what, what even is that? Dead pheasant. Come on. Zola. Come on. So you were sort of a child prodigy, but what I find interesting about your dad, Gemma, is that whenever he's interviewed, people will often say, what was it like? What did you feel like? And it interests me. I understand why they asked that, but I sort of think... You were just you. You yeah. just felt, I can do this, I can't. It's a bit like when people ask astronauts, what did it feel like? And you think they were just doing a job. Yeah, it's the easiest question to ask, isn't it? But it's, it's a real difficult one to answer, yeah. even though it's such a simplistic you know, question. And th that is the answer, basically. If, if I was trying to be clever and whatever, I'd be giving you all types of spiel about what it felt like, what it was. But the bottom line was, it was entirely normal to me. Yeah. That's just what I'd always been, and you can't answer the question without being totally honest, and then if you're totally honest, you sound like a big-headed git. <laughs> so, you know, but bear in mind, I mean, I had broken every single record that there was ever to break in terms of scoring goals, of playing, at a, you know, playing years ahead of myself for England under-15s, all the way through, broke every... So I never knew anything different than mm. being the best footballer. I would, that's just, was just my life. I didn't go to sleep thinking, oh God, I'm good at football. <laughs> it's just what you are, isn't it? It's just, you know, we've all got strengths, weaknesses. Sometimes people go to sleep worrying about what they're not good at, but it, I just don't, it, it just didn't feel anything different. I just knew I was good at football. And when I walk onto a football pitch, I'm at home. I'm so in control. You can put a billion people watching me. In fact, please put 10 million, million people watching me because that's how I felt. I just And she's like that. She's like that, I'm you telling you. She's like that. When she used to go to shows and yeah. there was only three people in the crowd, it'd be like, oh, who am I going to show off to? Yeah. Because, so you, but that is, that is unbelievable self-belief, having that, it, it goes against the grain of what people yeah. think and that's what separates certain people. And you can only do, you weren't necessarily born to do that or whatever, but you can only do that if you've practiced your skill, if you've been dedicated, you've got the self-belief to go out there and not have any doubts whatsoever in, in what you can do. So, 
when I'm 18 and in a World Cup, it is literally, give me the ball. I didn't even know we were playing against, let alone, <laughs> oh you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh my word, I've just scored a great goal. Let's just like sit there and think how great it's going to be to, you know, for the rest of your life. And because I've scored a great goal on a great occasion. It was no, let's kick off so I can score another. You know, it's, it's, it's an obsession. It's an absolute obsession of being good at something or reaching the top of something, but certainly not one that you, I only think about it really. I think about how to parent. I think about how people, how footballers think now. I only think about that nowadays. I never used to think about any of that when I was younger. It was just cracking on and what's the next thing I can achieve. When anyone says to me, what's your greatest attribute? <clears throat> Everyone expects them, me to say, oh, cool in front of goal or oh, super fast or this, that and the other, whatever attributes you've got. But the only one that matters, the only one is what's between your ears. Is, is having that, well, all the, all the requirements in between your ears that you need. You need self-belief, you need drive, you need passion, you need anger, you need everything. You just, you know, and when I talk about it, when I think about it, I'm almost gritting my teeth saying it, because mm. that's how I lived every single day, was I wanted to literally change the world every day I woke up. It's sort of, it's an obsession. And, absolute, and what used to kill me is the final whistle went at the end of the season and I'd go on holiday and within about five or six days I was like a volcano waiting to erupt. I just couldn't physically sit there and do nothing and couldn't feel that I wasn't being sung to or I couldn't score a goal and let my emotions burst or, or all those things. And I was just, that was just me as a character. I had to do some real changing when I retired to not be an elite performer anymore it was really difficult I'm interested Gemma growing up with a dad who performed at elite level yeah what were you aware of that that it was sort of match days maybe stay out of his way a bit yeah I mean I think when he was at sort of the highest point in his career I was you know maybe one two years yeah. old so it's sort of you know I was aware, you know, when I started seven, eight, I was aware, you know, um, but he was sort of at his end of, you know, the end of his career, you know, when I sort of knew what was going on. So, look at him, he's squaring up to the horses now. Gemma, do you want to explain what's happening here? Who's this horse? So this is Jigsaw. Um, this is my sister's pony. Um, he's, he's a bit, he puts his ears back and he looks grumpy, but he's not. He's, what kind of a pony is he? He's beautiful. He's not beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him, he's patchy. You've not seen Gemma's horse. My I hope horse Jessica is... doesn't listen to yeah, this. Yeah. Can we see your horse? Yeah, mine's, yeah, we'll go and see mine now. Let's go and have a look. But just to, just to finish yeah. that little story, yeah. she's exactly the same. You know, oh, match day, going, you know, if it's a big competition or going into that ring, she turns into a horror. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's it. You get your game face on and you can't control it. I didn't want anyone talking to me on match day. Or, in fact, all the day before. Just stay out of my way and let me do my business. She's the same. She's horrible. Stay out of her way when big competition's coming around. That's how much it means to you. you start focusing on the, on the job in hand. Because you need to be in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. interesting you had that. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is... Um, this is Sis. It's Sirius Black is his show Can name. Nice. Can we take a picture of the Yeah, horses, of course. Yeah. yeah, why don't you go next to your dad? I'll go. We want the two glamorous Owens. No. I'll, I I'll say, me next to the I can't say there's any glamour over on this <laughs> side <laughs> anymore. So talk me through your horse, Jen. So I've had him for four or five years. Um, I started competing internationally with him two three years ago um, so yeah he took me to my first European Championships um, which was in Spain so that was that was an incredible experience um, he's he's such a nice character he's like a gentle giant as you can see he's absolutely huge but you know he's so safe and he's such a lovely caring horse I can tell he's gentle he is he's got a nice temperament yeah he's got that you know Never been booked quality to him, <laughs> unlike some. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Belle! Belle! 
I'm She's a bit deaf. You're going to have to shout a bit louder than that. I like the one that's bonded with me. It's the old slow deaf one. <laughs> and so you were saying when you were younger, because obviously, did you move about a bit? Because your dad's career obviously took him from all over the place, really. Yeah. Liverpool for a long time. And then Real Madrid was immediately after that, was it? Yeah. Yeah, Gemma was in Madrid. Yeah, I was I was young in Madrid. I think I, I was again like two two years old maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember anything uh, from Madrid. I do remember living a, a bit in Newcastle though. Yeah. Um, that's the sort of early earliest memory um, I have. But yeah, other than that, we've we've been here. It was tough for your mum over there as well. I think just because she didn't speak the language and it's yeah, it's you know. Yeah, from what she sort of told me, um, you know, about living away, I think she she did sort of struggle with it because I was only, you know, two, however old I was. She didn't really have any family, friends, that support network. Obviously, everyone was left at home. So, yeah, I think she did struggle um, out in Spain um, because he was obviously working all day. And so, yeah, I think I think she did struggle, but, you know, it's just... And what were you like as a kid? Because, as I say, you strike me as very sort of like driven and single-minded and, and confident. But when you grow up with a parent who's high profile yeah. and successful at what they do on a sort of world stage level, you know, you'd be forgiven for thinking, oh, you know what, I don't want any focus on me and I'm finding this a bit overwhelming. But that's clearly something, that's not how you dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've... Um... As, as I said like previously, you know, I've always wanted something. You know, I, d- I don't want to be known as the daughter of someone, you know. As I wanted to be something myself, have my own sort of, you know, achieve my own things, have my own goals. Um, so that's always been important. I've always wanted, wanted that. Um, so I've always had a really, really small circle. Um, I don't trust people that easy. Um, I sort of do have a little bit of a wall up when you first get to know me. And I think that does come from, you know, people having opinions and, you know, before even you know, met me, you yeah. know, I can hear people say, oh, you know, Gemma's this, she's that. And, and I think to myself, I've not even met you. <laughs> I have not even met you. How have you worked that out? People but, can have an opinion on social media then. Now, yeah, it, yeah it's easy to have a, form, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it's, I do really like to keep my um, circle small. It's just, you know, I'd rather have a handful of friends that I can trust with everything than you know, loads and loads of friends all on a sort of surface level. Were you a football fan when you were younger? Were you... No, not really. I know this sounds... I sound really awful, don't I? I haven't read his book. I'm not a football fan. I sound like an awful daughter. Uh, <laughs> his book's really good, you know. Yeah... Okay, we need to talk to you about this, Gemma. Are all Owens like this? This is what I'm calling this section of the podcast. Yeah. So your dad says, firstly, it was eight films he said he'd seen. Oh, yeah, he's awful with films. Is he? Yeah. He, he can't, I think he's just, um, yeah, he can't sit through them. He can't sit through, he just starts, like, fidgeting, and then he's off. He can't keep still for that long. Well, your dad once tweeted, I'm on a plane... I've only watched eight films. And then he said hashtag hate film, which is one of the greatest hashtags to ever trend in the history of social media. And I can list all the films because I've never forgotten it. <laughs> I'm glad you can. Yeah. Ghost, Heat, Cool yeah. Runnings, yeah. Yeah. Sea Biscuit, he's seen. You're well, not about 10 minutes of that. I was lasting too long. Yeah. Forrest Gump. Yeah. Oh, God. Rocky. Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> I was forced to see that twice as well. Why does he hate films, Gemma? I don't know. He's a weirdo, isn't he? He's like... (laughs) Okay, that's the trailer. (laughs) I would like to defend myself, but I totally agree. Why do you think... Do you think that what I think it is? He finds it hard to switch off, maybe. I do. Mm. I find it hard to switch off, and it's a little bit like the lion-in thing. Just to wait, you know, you could be doing lots of things with those two hours. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> Please tell me he didn't say that to you on Christmas Day. I can imagine him at like uh, five in the morning. Come on, kids, you could be doing yeah. lots yeah. of things with those two hours. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we have to take a picture by the goal. Come on. Come here, yeah, Owens. My clown looks yeah. so young, he, you two look like my children. Yeah. My clown literally hasn't aged. Uh, your dad looks, and your mum. 
My mum, yeah, I'm not sure about my dad. Oh, she's full of full of criticism <laughs> for her dad. Yeah. Her mum's her best mate. Yeah, she, she is. Up for her. Is she? She is. I've had like an abnormal relationship with my mum. We're so close. Yeah. You're for your oldest, aren't you? Yeah. Tell me what you know about your parents meeting. Yeah, so from what I can remember, I think they've always gone to school together. Um I think he moved away to, you know, some kind of football. Am I allowed to chip in at any school? point? School, yes. no. All no right. Let's see what I no, say yeah, no, first, I'm good, yeah. and then you can. So we moved away to football school. He came back. Then they got together properly at 17. Um, they moved in together. Had me when they were 21. 23. 23. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Yeah, but at least say if you're going to say 25, I would have let it. R- r- I thought you got ride, married at 25. We did. Yeah. yeah, okay. That's close enough. <laughs> you better not be thinking of having kids when you're 21. <laughs> so you missed out the bits in the middle, so Louise chased me before I went away. Oh, no, and all see, this. this is what you <laughs> like to think. This is, this is why you shouldn't have asked him for his version uh, of the story. That's why I asked if I could chip in. <laughs> Got to make it sound better, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, Mum Mom didn't do any chasing. And every, anything that he says, he thought that happened. <laughs> He's exaggerating. He, he says it to make himself feel better. <laughs> She's absolutely right. <laughs> it's a nice love story, isn't it? Because they've been together so long. We have. We Yeah, we were together... We were together like, but you know what boyfriends and girlfriends are like when you're eight and 10 and 12 and 14. It's just, you know, you play kiss chase for one minute and then you've dumped them the next minute type of thing. <laughs> we were always boyfriend and girlfriend growing up. And then when I came back, I had to go to Lillishall for two years, um, which is a national school for football. And then as soon as I came back, obviously there was no phones back in those days or mobile phones. Uh, as soon as I came back, then I saw her again in the local pub. And that was that. We've been together ever since. Uh, I think we were... 16 when I came back from Little Shore. You've had such a idyllic childhood. And I think your dad had as well. You make the best of whatever situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, um, we didn't have money, but I had a football. I had a park that was in walking distance. That's all I needed. We had a garage, so if I was at home, we didn't have time to go to the park. I could use that as my goal. That's sort of what we made of it. Gemma's been brought up in different surroundings and she's made use of, of those surroundings. If, if she had my upbringing, she would never have been a dressage rider. She would never you know, be doing what she's doing now. So, you know, your kids can only perform or can only grow up in, in what the, you know, in the surroundings. And, and um, we've made the best of those. And yeah, she's uh, eventually, she'll go off into the wide world and meet someone and live somewhere else or whatever she'll do, which is all quite scary for everyone. But that's what being a father and a parent is all about isn't it you you give them what you can you make sure that they when they leave that they can look someone in the eye that they can talk to people that they've got good manners um, and all the right attributes but also I think you've got to give kids the chance to breathe chance to be themselves the chance to grow up and actually be an individual and not be micromanaged all the way through their lives so she's made mistakes I've shouted at her, but in general, she's been, you know, a very easy child to, to bring up. And, and now she's obviously an adult and I've got no say anymore. So now she tells me what I've got to do. This is the nicest it's been to me in a long time. <laughs> what do you think, Gemma? What are the... I'm always interested in this. I might ask your dad the same thing. But what are the best qualities you've got from your mum? And what are the best qualities from your dad? See, I've fo- this is a positive, Michael. I'm focusing yeah. Well, we'll this. see. <laughs> Wait for it. No, I know I'm, there'll be I'm positives be nice. from the mum. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, the positives about my dad, he's, his you know, dedication, his work ethic, you know, his commitment to you know, his sport, I find that all really you know, inspiring. And um, for my mum... Oh, God, there's too many. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, um, uh. my mum's, my mum is like the glue to our family, in, in my opinion. She you know, holds everything together. We'd all be sort of lost without her. True so far. Yeah, I've said nice things about you as well. Um, yeah, no, we'd all, be, we'd all be lost without my mum. She's sort of, and I think because obviously my mum and dad are opposite me and my mum are opposite that's why I get on so well mm. with I have such a good relationship with my mum she is just like the glue to our family really which is really nice 
But that shows that your dad and your mum have done a good job. Yeah. Because I was so impressed when I heard that you were sort of doing your own thing, really, you know, and launching your own business and it's brave and it's quite scary and I suppose you don't have to. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been very scary and I've, like, made mistakes, you know, already. I've never set up a business or done anything like this before, so there's things that, you know, I didn't even know you had to do or, you know, I, I'm learning everything as I go. So, you know, I've, I've made mistakes, but I think if you can... If you make mistakes, I think you should take them as positives because you're actually mm. learning something from them and, you know, you should use it to benefit. I think you know, the exciting bit benefit for, for you, you Gemma, I think, is, is the design and the, the yeah. excitement of design yeah. and different. You know, she'll go on a holiday. She's always been keen on fashion. She's always looked at it. And I, I think from a business <laughs> point you. of view, you can lean on myself or other experts or around not that I'm an expert you but but you can lean on other people can't you and, and set up a business or set up the structure or set up yeah. you know how tax is going to be paid and all these different things I guess they're things that Gemma's learns and and is continuing to learn but I think the core of it and the excitement for her right at the outset was designing her own stuff and that's where she excels and that's where I walk around the house and see little drawings here and there and all the rest of her of her and Louise you know different colour schemes and different this and that and I think that's where she gets excited and the rest of it has got to be you know it's got to be done but it's something that she's learning along the way. Yeah no it has it definitely has been you know hard a long sort of long journey but you know it, it is all worth it you know as dad said before the exciting part is you know designing you know I I really thought there was a gap in the market for um, good quality, you know, luxury swimwear. Yeah. You know, that was a bit younger, not as expensive as designer pieces. So that's sort of what I've gone for, and that's I'm so you know happy and proud of everything. It's all. And your dad, you know, um, I liked it when you said in an interview, you said something recently, didn't you? You said no, my dad doesn't support. You know, it's not like. Yeah. You said I'm not saying he's tight. I'm not saying he's tight, but he was. I was waiting a bit for this interview to see if she was going to say any positives towards me before. <laughs> Yeah, no, he he sort of, um, he gave me a bit of money uh, for my birthday and yeah. sort of said, you know, do what you want with it. So that's that's what I've done. And there's so many things, like, it's frustrating as well because there's so many more ideas I have and so many things I want to do and new designs and new colours and, you know, new fabrics and everything. But, you know, I have to wait until the money comes back in and it's all very, you know, so... It's, it's really good. difficult, isn't it, from a from a parent's point of view, that you know you want to give your, your children the best start and the best chance and the best this and that, but you, you you're always wrestling with the fact. Well, if I just make it so easy, yeah. and I go and do this and do that, is she going to learn from any mistakes? She going to. So you're always wrestling in life with anything like that and not making them spoiled. Did you have pocket money? Was there this sense of? Yeah, but it stopped. Yeah, <laughs> it stopped it, when it's eight. Yeah, mine mine started late. And why stopped. did you ask this question? <laughs> oh, it's not fair, honestly. <laughs> fuming. Uh, why did you ask this question? <laughs> Stops when you're eighteen. Get out and work if you want money that much. There's a there's a pub down the road. Go and work behind the bar or something. That's yeah. my view. It is. Yeah. No. And I agree. Stop pocket money at eighteen. That's fine. But. Pocket money only started for me a few years ago. So my brothers and sisters have had a good few years on me. So in that way, it's not fair. Remember ages ago I said about competitive nature and all this? Nothing's fair in our house. Nothing's fair. Trying to balance all four kids and a wife and everything else. It's the most impossible job. Um, and you went to Liverpool, went to Real Madrid, and then you're in Newcastle. And obviously there was sort of ups and downs. It felt like that you had this period where your confidence was a bit dented almost, wasn't it? For the first time, this sort of unshakable in belief, which you had grown up with and witnessed. I feel that you struggled a bit then, didn't you? Well, from then onwards, sort of reality kicked in. And the problem with me is my self-belief and everything else is, of a, is something that you, you, know, you can't change. So you, you still think that you, you are what you, what you were in a way. And, you know... I was having to adapt my game at the time to make sure I didn't get injured and things yeah. like that. And it really wasn't what I was 
but I couldn't be what I was because I was exposing myself to getting injured if I yeah. start sprinting into the corners and everything else like I always did then so it was a hard mental ch physical change but then it was a mental change for me thinking you know I am not what people or what I think I am anymore you do evolve don't you, you do get yeah. older you do get this and that and you've got to not be deluded anymore and part of being good at something is I guess your brain almost thinking you're better and you do catch up to your brain and then you think you're better again and yeah. and all of a sudden you're having to come to terms with I can't run past that defender anymore and that challenge do you know what though I thought it really helped me because when you retire mm. if it's just going bump and stop in there and then yeah then it's a hard one to but almost my yeah. my I was semi-retiring in my brain yeah. once my performances were dropping anyway so it made it almost a relief to retire as opposed to thinking what am I going to do next yeah. do you know halfway through my career I decided I you know when I retire I'm not going to stop and then have nothing to do so I bought Manor House Stables and just basically knew that in time with doing a bit on the telly with doing that then it would fulfill me Tell me about Manor House then. You decided to buy that. Was that partly inspired by Louise, Gemma's mum? Because she's obviously always been passionate about that's something you share. Yeah. We've and always yeah, we've always loved horses, full stop. Mm. Um, but that racing was a big passion of mine at the time. I was twenty four when I bought Manor House Stables and I think at the time I had a lot of horses in training and I was thinking to myself, it's something that I want to do in the future. I want to continue to enjoy the game, but will I be able to afford that, you know, 50, 60 years of buying horses, having them trained? It's an expensive hobby, so I thought I've got to do something myself. So I bought a farm when I was, as I say, 24, converted it into a racing stables, and it's just grown organically since then. We had 20 horses, but about 10 of them were mine. Um, so really, we had 10 clients, and fast forward to today, we've got 151 horses and about five of them are mine so we've built the business really well over 17 years and it's now one of the you know one of the the big noises in the racing game training is one of the best facilities in the country and we get big results you speak confidently and it's interesting you say we're the biggest we're doing this we're the best we're having do you know what i mean you're not we will be <laughs> we might not be now <laughs> but do you know what I mean? even when you're talking about football you say <laughs> i was good you have said i was i'm i'm learning but i know i can do this i'm yeah. good at dress hard. and there is a quite a british an english tendency i think you know there's an embarrassment about acknowledging you're good at something if you haven't got that conviction if you're a dither and you know mess and oh this might work or this might and, and go for it you live once is your brother interested in football um I mean, he's slightly interested. He doesn't do it to, you know, a, a high level or anything like that. Um, you know, he's no one really is that bothered about football in the family except from dad, which is <laughs> it's good for you, though, Michael. It's great. I wouldn't have it any other way. Listen, my wife, if you walk into my house, you wouldn't have a clue that an ex-footballer owns this house That's true. until you go to the furthest far-flung room yeah. that we've got and I'm allowed my memorabilia in there. So you wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. And I like it. You know, I like it that way. Do you? Yeah. The kids know nothing about my career. No, they obviously see trophies and they probably know a little bit now. Oh, Dad must have done this and that and that. If it, <laughs> I don't talk to them about my career. I don't, I don't want them to think. I just want to be mm. a dad, a normal dad to them because, you know, they deserve that. They've been brought into this world and uh, it's not their fault if their dad was this, that and the other. But creating a normal upbringing... Well, it's the Mersey, them is just it's the Mersey Tunnel thing that you had, isn't it? Yeah, Which I, I love so. that. Did your dad ever tell you that? She's not read my book, she won't know. <laughs> my Mersey Tunnel analogy. Will you tell Gemma that? Because I think it's lovely. I used to just have, used to have a, a distinct sort of switch button whereby when I drove to work, drove to training, you go through the Mersey Tunnel and all of a sudden, you're Michael Owen, footballer, play for Liverpool, you, know, you get sung to, you photos and autographs and things like that and you basically live in a life that is not normal and if you get carried away with that if you start thinking that is the norm you're going to come down to earth with a big bump at some yeah. point you have to because no one sings my name nowadays so and I used to just realize that yeah embrace it yes love it 
desire it more because it means you're doing great and everything else. But then when you turn around and you're coming home, you're now a brother, you're now a son, you know, you're a cousin, you're a, a, you're a husband, you're a father, you're all these things. You're not the person that's running around in a red shirt with shorts on in this false thing that's just lasting for 10 years and that's going to have a fallout at the end of it. It has to. Because if you get carried away, and lots of footballers look around, lots of people struggle like hell when they retire because they can't, just can't grasp. They've just got let themselves get carried away in that life. So I just had a switch button where I was driving home and now I'm just a normal, I would never say to my kids, oh, look at this, come and look at this video or anything mm -hmm. else like that. They wouldn't have a clue that I was a footballer unless people spoke about it. Um, yeah. and, I, and that's why I wouldn't want anything else. I just want to be a dad and try to actually be as good a dad as possible and bring them up into you know what they are and and all the individuals I never ever want to rule with an iron fist or rule and say this that and the other all my kids are different totally different and I'm proud that they are different because I've me and Louise have almost let them grow into what they want to be but yeah. just sort of guiding them along the way and giving them the the right you know respect and as I say eye contact and politeness and all those things along the way but absolutely letting them be who they want to be. I get the impression you were never spoiled. I don't imagine he was the sort of dad that was like, you know, let's get you some mini Louboutins when you're four. And <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah. I no, he, de he definitely wasn't like that. You know, he was very you know, generous and, you know, he supported me, obviously, with my horses and my dressage. Yeah. He's been very supportive in that way. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say any, any of us were spoiled or took anything for granted. I think we all appreciate, you know, everything we have and you know we it's it's really nice we do all appreciate it a lot the other thing is when they obviously we're getting to an age now whereby they will start sprouting their wings soon i know full well that they won't go far um i need to we need to talk about a couple of things masked singer oh god no oh, do we have to <laughs> both of us were like oh god <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it was brilliant absolutely loved it i didn't think when I agreed, I was like, oh, shall I, shall I, shall I? I can't believe um, how good a decision it was to say, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I was obviously absolutely horrific, but that was no surprise to me. It might have been a surprise to some people, but everyone knows me, knows I've got a horrific voice. But <laughs> once, uh, once I was on it, I just thought, sod it, I'm out here now, I've agreed to it. I've just got to entertain, just go mad and just like, I'm not going to win the competition for my voice, so I might as well be it as entertaining as I could. <laughs> It was, it was good to watch. It Did was. you like it? I mean, no, what, there, me was, no, the there was a few songs <laughs> and a few notes. And I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> stop. But in general, it was it was good to watch. It was. Well, I was, asked um, Jonathan Ross, who is one of the judges, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm just popping to see Michael and Gemma. Any thoughts as a judge on... Because uh, so Michael's quite hard on himself. Jonathan actually said, tell Michael it was unforgettable. Although I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly summed up. I would totally agree with him. Hey, we give it a good shot. And we had a load of fun on the way. It's weird, because sometimes as people say this boring thing. But do you know what I mean? Where has that come from? You're I tell you where it came from. It came from right at the outset. When I'm 18 and I go to a World Cup and the press bring you back and you've scored a goal and you're whiter than white and you've got David Beckham that gets a red card and everyone wants to vilify him. And I was made out to be some angel and whatever and that just stuck and every single person I meet af like says afterwards flipping heck I thought you I thought you were boring you're actually <laughs> quite good for whatever and that's the always the feedback but in general I knew my image out there is I boring. I saw hashtag hate films I thought <laughs> this man's got a, I didn't a even know about that hashtag <laughs> brilliant sense of humour I love this man it's just a it's part of the performance. It's a brand. It's because you've got Umbro and you've got mm. Tissot watches. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And so. Yeah, my agent played up to it. I mean, yeah. he made me into that. That then all of the squeaky clean, whiter than white brands and that, all these brands, they all came flooding. So you know, he did his job in many ways, but possibly created something that I've not been able. Listen, it's fine. I don't. I really don't care about what my Im image is uh, in in many ways, as long as it's not a really bad one. But. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely different to what I am, I believe. But um, but it doesn't keep me awake at night. So where can we buy your 
swimwear you've got your own website haven't you yeah yeah ogbeachwear.com <laughs> has your dad been on it um yeah well apparently i've tried to wear some of the shorts and she says yeah, no dad banned. bods he's banned i'm banned no dad bods in my shorts so i'm willing to put in a big order but she's still saying no we should let you go but before we go i need to know about the queen i want to hear about michael at royal ascot I was at Royal Ascot and I'd been invited into the carriages to come up the, uh, the racetrack. So we'd, it was amazing. Me and Louise got invited. We went to um, Windsor Castle, had lunch with the Queen. I sent, sat, uh, sat next to Prince Philip. Brilliant, amazing day. Into the carriages, up to Royal Ascot. The gates open and we, we start coming up the track. Obviously beforehand we've been given a bit of a prep saying when her Majesty does this, you do that. If she walks here, you sweep round and do this and take your hat off when the national anthem or if she speaks to you, etc. etc. So that yeah, that's just in my mind, right, okay, I've got to got to remember this. Anyway, we get into the go up the track, national anthem plays, we come sweeping under the um, under the arch, into the parade ring, Her Majesty gets out of the carriage, starts inspecting the horses and starts walking towards the royal lift. So perfect. There's only 12 guests so i'm like near the front so i think right we've got to sweep around start following her round. so she walks into the into the lift and i sort of i've got my hat off and i stand there and she says come on come on we'll all we'll all fit in here come on squeeze in so i'm first aren't i so i walk in and i get reasonably close and obviously my hat is off because she's talking to me and that's what i was told and uh Anyway, she keeps shouting, shouting outside to everyone, come on, no, we can, we, we've done it before, we can get everyone in. So obviously I'm getting pushed closer. I don't want to invade her personal space, but I'm sort of now taking another step a little bit closer and I've got my hat off, holding it. And she looks at me and looks down at my hat and says, if you put your hat back on, we might all be able to fit in this lift. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, mom, put my hat back on. And yeah, bollocked by the queen. <laughs> Honestly, I want to move in with the Owens. You're such You're lovely more than people. welcome. You're... The more the merrier. Your dad once said something about, you can have fire in your belly, but you've got to have ice in your brain. Do you think Gemma yeah. has that? Yeah. Me and Gemma are very, very uh, alike, why we've had some rumblings yeah. in the we past, are. but deep down we get on. I think I understand her probably as much as any of the kids, because as I say, she's very, very similar to me. But that's why you're similar to him. Yeah. So you will clash sometimes. Yeah, we do. We get we either get on so well or we're you know, we're having a disagreement but Because he sees himself in you probably. Yeah. I shout at her for some not anymore, <laughs> she shouts at me. But back in the day I'd shout at her for some things and the would go, Are you having a laugh? You did exactly that how the hell you've got the front to be able to have a go at her for that? And I'm like, I know, I know, but I dislike myself about doing that. So I'm trying to make her a better version of me. <laughs> but I'm afraid He's got some competition. <laughs> <laughs> she actually my... said to me the other day, I'll have You're more right. Instagram followers than me soon. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. You will yeah. have. <laughs> what would your dream be in terms of fashion, empire, and is that what you'd like to... Yeah. Yeah, obviously it's still really early days with, you know, with my business, so I'd love to, to grow that and, you know, for that to be really successful. And I'd love to carry on with my riding as well because that's such a huge part in my life. I've done it for as long as I can remember. So... Yeah, I think um, building my business and carrying on with my riding, I think that's, that's my plan for the, you know, the next few years anyway. And what, what do you say, Michael? You just want her to be happy, I presume. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously interested to, to think where, it, you know, where her life will, will take her. And I think doing what she's doing, you just never know, do you? You just really never know there might be an opportunity for her to you know, do something on the telly or to do some whatever it might be just you haven't got a clue i mean she might shake her head and say no i'm not going to do that or this or that but you just don't know where life will take you and if she is successful and continues to be a decent person and all the rest of it then she uh she'll have a chance of being successful of course do you know you two are adorable <laughs> and these dogs are just gorgeous <laughs> i can really see why and they seem very happy dogs to be fair we've had dogs all our life and we've probably had to shout at these less than any of the others although they did try to ruin the house when we were out the other day yeah. we didn't lock them into their room yeah and they nearly tore the house down yeah. so they had a the they had a bollock in the, the other day <laughs> so you don't know a house without dogs no no we've always had 
Staffies, French Bulldogs and Zola the first Italian Greyhound. We've always had two dogs, three dogs at once. It makes a home. <laughs> it does, it is. It would be weird without dogs, not home without dogs. I always say my favourite quote is, um, be the person your dog thinks you are. Because yeah. your dog thinks you are God. No matter what, you could do something bad and they still love you, can't yeah. they? And that's the beauty of having dogs. Come on! Thank you so much. No, thank you, you so much. Thank you. I've really enjoyed easy. it. And I've loved meeting these gorgeous dogs. Do you think they've enjoyed it? Yeah, but they were a bit disappointed because they thought we were, they were going to meet, meet your dog today. So <laughs> we've been revving them up. Yeah. The doggy's coming, doggy's coming. <laughs> I've shown Gemma a picture of Raymond. Yeah. There's another Please. one of him. He looks. Wow. Like do you take a lot of time to groom and no <laughs> i mean he looks like you've really got to shampoo his hair and everything you work with the likes of ronaldo don't ever get up my <laughs> thank you so much guys it's been wonderful um i think i might have to come again yeah <laughs> absolutely the dogs will be a bit bigger and so will i probably <laughs> oh dear come on in the house <laughs> bye Owens. good lads well done, Belle. Come on, Belle. You know the ropes. <laughs> well done. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.